Welcome back to another episode of the MLS Aces podcast. This is your host, Tom Sweezy. It's episode 154, and this week, I do not have Sam with me to talk MLS. I do not have Jason with me to talk MLS, but I have Vaughn Pullman from the 9607 MLS pod. Vaughn, thanks for coming back on again, bud. Absolutely. It's perfect. I'm like the MLS is back expanded roster to 23 MLS Aces guy. you're, You're going deep on the roster here. Yeah, you're you're the you're the uh what's the, it's the pool goalie. That's what it is. Yeah, the, exactly. <laughs> All right, well, I'm glad to have you on. We're gonna talk a little MLS is back, and of course, of course, the big news today of Charlotte FC. Um, so before we dive into anything, I have to give my whole little spiel about MLS Aces. If you guys want to learn a little bit more about the MLS Aces podcast. 9607 MLS podcast is also on our website. You can go to MLSAces.com. Um, gives a breakdown of all the podcasts that we have, everyone who we have blogging on the website, and, of course, the blogs as well. So go and check that out. Um, other than that, Vaughn, let's talk Charlotte FC first. Big news of the day. I know you and Zach took off of work today. Initial reactions from people actually in Charlotte. What? How did you feel about the crest? How did you feel about the name? Uh, so I'll say my reaction first, uh, because I, I think there are two, uh, two different boats going right now. Uh, <laughs> some people that are like, Hey, I love it. And I'm going to support this team and other people that are, uh, a little bit more judgmental of it, but that's okay. Uh, I am ecstatic. I'm really excited to have, uh, something to identify with. I am happy with the Charlotte FC name. I, I won't admit to it being my name of choice. I was definitely in the uh, Charlotte Town FC crowd rooting for that one. Yeah. Uh, but but I love the typeface. Uh, I think it was a safe, comfortable uh, decision to go with the Panthers colors. You know, I, I think the way I worded it was the logo, the crest, the name. I think it's going to withstand the test of time, right? Like any good design, you shouldn't need to have to go back and revamp it. I think they might tweak it over time. I think there may be adjustments, uh, but I think that ultimately I can look, you know, fast forward the clock 20, 30, 40, 50 years. I think this logo will still look like it fits. Um, and and it's not a bad design. There's nothing in there that's too questionable. You know, we don't, we're not going to have a Redskins sort of uh, controversy around this name. So all of those things, check, 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 check. I'm excited. I bought gear uh, and, yeah, so- something for Charlotte to get behind. Yeah, you're into it already with the gear. I mean, look, I agree with you that I was all on the Charlotte Town name. That I thought that was like perfect. It sounded like sick. It was something different that Major League Soccer hasn't had before. Um, in my head, unfortunately, they did go with Charlotte FC. But like you said, it's safe. It works, right? Like at the end of the day, everyone's going to call them Charlotte anyway. So, or I guess, I guess. CFC, I'm not sure. Um, but I really do like the color scheme. I like the Panthers colors. Um, again, the the logo is a little safe to me. I'm not crazy about it, but I don't hate it. At least it's not like a, uh, a Chicago Fire rebrand or anything like that, or even like what Louisville City tried to do down in USL with their rebranded logo. Um, but it's safe. It's good. It's not bad color scheme is a little different for major league soccer as well and i mean i also have to say because i've been saying it all morning on twitter their secondary logo is amazing and i absolutely love it someone on twitter i'm sorry i don't have it off the uh, top of my head right now but someone on twitter said it reminded them of the marseille logo in france and that's exactly what like hit for me like i love that i want to buy that for, on a jersey i want to buy that on a hat i want that everywhere yeah, I, I 100% agree. I think the secondary logo is definitely uh, something that the fans are going to represent more fervently. I, I think it is more eye-catching uh, because it's a little bit not safe, right? It, it breaks yeah. out of uh, a simple uh, logo. Now, you know, for me, I'm, I'm excited to have a team with a round L. I have a lot of teams I support uh, across multiple sports, and I don't have a team with a round logo. And I really like the look of it. So for that, I personally am excited. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I would have liked some of the secondary logo to have been incorporated into the primary. Uh, but I think there's going to be opportunities for both of the logos to be on jerseys, on uh, all sorts of merch, uh, and and 
all over in in stadium branding and and I think fans will have that opportunity. So I'm not too concerned. I think it's something that's exciting and it's Charlotte's team. You know, we I don't know how critical people were of you know the FC Cincinnati's, the Austin FCs, the NYC FCs, the LAFCs. I mean, I, let's go down the list, right? Like, uh, it's it's going to be okay. It's going to be fine. It's going to be a team that people will support. Uh, and I I'm more bummed that I have to wait until 2022 to see them. <laughs> So, I mean, that was the point that I wanted to touch on next is that there is time maybe for some even third or fourth type logos to come out or some other type of designs and branding and marketing to come out because Charlotte FC did get the push back to 2022. Um, have you heard anything why they got pushed back and uh, Austin FC decided to stay for 2021? Do you just think it was readiness to to have a team and, and operate as a team? Yeah, no, I did actually hear, um, and, it, and it came from Tom Glick, uh, who's who's the team president. Mm -hmm. And it was expressed that, uh, you know, the league had talked to all four expansion sides and that there was some conversation related, you know, they don't know what it's going to look like, the in-stadium uh, experience and, and how that's going to affect the different markets. And so I think it was the league approaching the teams and kind of gauging where they were at uh, both in their development and also their their thoughts on how they wanted their launches to happen. Okay. And uh, the the sense that I got from Glick was that both Sacramento and St. Louis, um, they their timelines on their stadiums have been affected by COVID. So they they're they're just behind schedule. So it was for them they they decided just to move it back. Charlotte already had a very short ramp up time. And uh, I, I think as things begin, be, were begin, beginning to be more and more delayed, uh, it just led itself to, hey, this is a better decision for us. Austin, on the other hand, uh, was much further along in their development. They've you know, had a longer time frame to start preparing for 2021. And uh, with their stadium being built, uh, I, I think it was kind of a decision that they said, no, we're, we're comfortable. We want to move forward. We, we don't want to miss out on 2021. Uh, and so the league. Uh, and and Austin FC came to an understanding that 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 was going to be their what was it? it was the interesting thing to me is that Austin and Charlotte, like yes, um, Austin had like the longer buildup, right? They had more time to plan things out and everything like that. But they both announced player signings like a week or a few days from each other. Charlotte, all they were doing was announcing a player color scheme and team name a week after announcing. Um, you know, their first player. I feel like Charlotte could have potentially pushed it for 2021. I don't know. Like, what, what are you, what, what were your personal thoughts on that? Yeah, I, well, I think push is the right term. I, I think it would have been a, a rushed experience, right? Uh, my understanding is that they had narrowed down their list for uh, hiring a coach, but, you know, that's definitely a more challenging thing. Um, things have been delayed. Right. Like the team was originally supposed to be announced way back in April. So I think some of these decisions had already been in place. And because of covid, they didn't know what was going to happen. Um, and, and I think the timeline had just that was already pretty tight had been scrunched even even further. So for Charlotte, uh, you know, I, I don't know that in February or March of this coming year that they felt comfortable that they were going to be able to create a good fan experience uh, as, as well as fan engagement leading up to uh, starting in 2021. I, I think it ultimately just boiled down to uh, they they feel that they have a better opportunity to do that the right way in 2022. Um, I was on a Zoom call earlier that included David Tepper, and his whole thing is that soccer and this experience in Charlotte is all about being a party. Uh, and, and I think the verbatim words out of his mouth were, I'm not going to half-ass a party. So, uh, you know, I think that the opportunity here is let's hold off. It, it, we'll have to do it in 2022, but we're going to party right. Honestly, David Tepper, the the few times that we, you and I have talked about him, I feel like every single time I come to you on, there's some David Tepper news. Um, he's becoming one of my favorite people in Major League Soccer, and I absolutely love that. And there was already like talk today that you know Charlotte's coming after the Queen City name and maybe like a little bit of a 
some shots at FC Cincinnati. And then also someone made a comment that they were going to knock, trying to knock Atlanta off their perch because, you know, they're regionally very close to Atlanta United. Charlotte's coming in with the bang. Well, yeah, I mean, Tepper's got deep pockets. Uh, he's one of the wealthiest owners in the league. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's definitely Charlotte wants to make its mark. Um, and, and he has to put his money where his mouth is, uh, or Charlotte is going to be compared to the Atlantas, to the LAFCs, right? Like those are the expansion teams that have come in and quickly put themselves into the tupper, upper tier of MLS. Uh, and they have to match that. And if they don't, they're going to be judged accordingly. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I love Tepper with what his energy is. Uh, I like his accessibility in that, you know, he, he's, he's a billionaire. Uh, he's got a lot of things on his plate. He's, he's <laughs> the owner of two separate teams. He's still got his hedge fund. And, you know, I'm still jumping on Zoom calls with the guy. I'm still <laughs> seeing him at the brand launch, uh, you, you know, high-fiving the dude. Uh, he's, he's also made it clear that at the first game, he's going to be in the supporters section. Mm. So he is making himself available. He's a he is a very down to earth guy from what I can tell, um, you know, but but also for me, I want to see continued uh, stuff outside off the soccer pitch and in the community. And he's also done that. He's he's paid a lot of money to a lot of foundations and, and causes to support uh, what he believes in in the city. So. Uh, those sort of efforts and and continuing that sort of growth for the entire community and not just in soccer, that's what I need to see. And when I see that from an organization from the top down, it makes it real easy to support. All right, one last, I guess, more specific thing before we talk about MLS is back. What do you got going on in the 9607 MLS pod? What's, what's the next episode looking like between you and Zach? The next episode. So we actually, this is my third episode of the day. Uh, yeah, we, we recorded two episodes earlier. Uh, one episode focusing on the brand uh, and and Crest and everything. Uh, and then we had a second episode with Hugh Roberts, who's the center back for the Charlotte Independence. Uh, he recently started a foundation um, to try and support the Black Lives Matter movement and uh, to also help some other foundations in uh, Charlotte and the Carolinas to help uh, underserved communities. And I wanted to give him a platform uh, to share about his foundation and spread the word uh, and and do at minimum that. Uh, and it was really nice to have him on the pod. So we actually have two episodes coming out uh, tomorrow, uh, both of, of what I just covered. That's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, and if you're listening to this, definitely go check check out the 9607 MLS pod because, first of all, you and Zach do a great job over there. Second of all, Hugh Roberts is an awesome dude, and I'm sure that's a great conversation. I can't wait to listen to that tomorrow, um, or I guess today when people are listening to this. Um, and, you know, I know that you guys are going to build up that Charlotte FC soccer community, and I'm excited to hear that and uh, be along for the ride with you guys today. Oh, yeah, that, that's going to be our plan. We're, we're currently <laughs> an all-MLS podcast, but as you know, uh, it can be pretty challenging at times to uh, keep track of 26 or eventually 28 and then 30 teams. Uh, that's a lot of games to, to follow and watch and uh, do, do good analysis on. So uh, we're, we're looking forward to uh, a potential rebrand at some point and trying to hone in on Charlotte MLS. Uh, but, but yeah, we, we just love the league. It enriches our experience with it. And uh, yeah, we'll see what the future holds. All right, awesome. Now let's transition over to MLS is back. You know the fantastic tournament that has a perfect name to it. Um, we have a pretty much every single group is decided at this point. I will just kind of throw a little peek behind the curtain for the listeners. We are recording during FC Cincinnati and um, New York Red Bulls. Currently, FC Cincinnati is up to nothing on the Red Bulls, so that looks like the decision. In what group is that? Group. Uh, group E has come up to place of who's going to finish first and second. But um, let's kind of go through these groups and see who we've liked and who we haven't liked. So Group A, um, both Orlando City and the Philadelphia Union have made it out of Group A, both finishing on seven points. Orlando City um, getting the first place spot due to a better goal differential than the Union. We kind of talked about this a little bit last week, Vaughn, but I want to get your take. 
Orlando City, is this just like them actually improving or or, or is this a fluke thing? Oh no, I think it's absolutely an improvement. Uh it's it's the Oscar Pereja effect. Uh they're they're organized, they're uh they're they're doing better things on the field and they're playing as a complete team. Um and and that's you know, they're not relying on one person. It's it's really a team effort. Uh we've we've seen the the fight getting a late goal in in the first game for Nani uh and and we've seen the emergence of Chris Mueller, right? Like this looks like Chris Mueller from his rookie season when when he won the rookie of the year award. Like he has to be a big piece of that squad and he's he's showing that now. Um I think they have a better goalkeeper now. I think they have a better defense. They're just top to bottom doing better. Are they a top tier team in MLS? I'm not going to go that far yet, but do I think under, you know, two or three years under Oscar Pereja, can they work themselves into that conversation? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, look, I think you hit the nail on the head right there. I completely agree that this is the Oscar Pereja effect. I didn't think it would take effect this soon. Um, but Orlando City's look good, especially in their last game against the Union. Mauricio Pereja, um, Pereira sorry, has looked very good in that last game and he's been around the team for almost a full year now which is crazy to think about and he hasn't really ever come out and looked like this last performance he had against the union and i think that if you can get more solid performances from him tagged along with the the performances that we've seen from chris mueller from nani from ruan um and that improved defense like you said then you know orlando city only on the up and up and then with you know giving Oscar Pereja, a B team to work with as well now, because when he was with FC Dallas, they didn't have a technically professional team playing in American soccer. Now he has a professional team playing in the third division. I'm excited to see what he does with that, players that kind of can develop and mold under that in a professional setting. I think Orlando City is on the up and up. I just, I'm not super high on them, like, being contenders now. But like you said, I think three, four years down the line, this Orlando City team could be something special. Um, and talking about something special in present day, I think the Philadelphia Union are a special, special team. Um, I think looking at this tournament or even outside of this tournament, the Philadelphia Union are very good and that they should be talked about as one of the best teams in the East up there with the Columbus, in my opinion. Um, the Philadelphia Union, these three games that we saw them play, how have you felt about them? I mean, it's it's more of what Philadelphia's been showing that they're one of the best in the league at doing, right? Same thing, organized, compact, playing the young guys, solid defensively, uh, high pressure, high energy. Uh, they, they have a defined style. Uh, I was very critical of Jim Curtin at one point, and uh, I, I didn't believe in, in what he was trying to do there. Um, I do think he benefited greatly by Ernst Tanner coming in. Uh, but I think Jim Curtin had to do a lot right to still keep and and earn his spot uh, to stay as the manager there. Um, you know, Ernst could have easily moved on from from Jim and and made a, a decision to go with another coach. Uh, but they they showed some faith there, and ultimately the the squad is, uh, you know, they're they're one of the top teams uh, in in the East, and it's because of their style and that they. They, they have made good signings and they've also been able to supplement it with guys from their de own development. And yeah. that's huge. Yeah, exactly. I mean, definitely. I wanted to touch on Brendan Aronson, like the dudes getting Bundesliga, you know, acknowledgement and Bundesliga rumors around him for a reason. He's been playing absolutely out of his mind, um, whether he's coming on as a sub or starting or he's playing as the 10 or he's playing as a box to box guy. Brendan Aronson has been everywhere for the Philadelphia Union, been involved in the attack and definitely been part of the reason why they've been winning games. And also in the same exact vein, I have to talk about Andre Blake. Andre Blake having a complete bounce back year from what he looked like last year, especially. Um, I'm really excited to see him back because he's one of my favorite guys in the league. But this Union team is good. They're dangerous. They have depth. And, I, I mean, I'm just excited to see how they look in later rounds because I think that they could be a potential uh, a potential real contender to win. Well, I, the, I think the big thing for Philadelphia is that they can win multiple ways, right? Like, they, they have the ability to have uh, an Andre Blake back there that can single-handedly make up for a lot of defensive mistakes. Yeah. Uh, and at the same time, they also have certain offensive weapons that, uh, you know, I we, we've seen what Casper Shabilko can do 
I don't think we've really seen Sergio Santos take off and do what he's capable of. Uh, and we all know how Ilsenio uh, can, can be that secret <laughs> weapon for them off the bench. Uh, they, they just have a lot of pieces at their disposal. And, and we haven't even talked about like Miro Montero. <laughs> I, I love that guy. I mean, he is outstanding. Uh, the addition of uh, El Brujo Martinez uh it is they have a real ball winner and a guy with a lot of grit in that uh defensive midfield position and so uh they they just have guys all around the field that are contributors and can help them win different ways and of course the captain Ali Bedoya you know it's just the the team is very good and I don't want to keep on just pounding on how good they are but definitely watch the union in this tournament in the next round because I think that they got some magic going on down in Orlando Um, I'm Let's jump to Group B, where I think we have a surprise winner in Group B, at least in my head, the San Jose Earthquakes, the team that had the shortest training time running up to this tournament, but also a team that had the head coach that is known to do well in tournament-style play. Um, The San Jose Earthquakes may not have done it in the cleanest way possible, drawing Seattle, then they have that amazing comeback game against the Vancouver Whitecaps, and then beating um, Chicago Fire 2-0 in their third game. The Quakes look good. Like Wando's scoring off the bench. Um, the defense is looking a little slow at times, but they're picking it back up. Jackson Yule, I think, is this has really been a, a kind of a, a come out performance for him. I really like the Quakes to kind of maybe win this tournament as well. Well, it's going to be a matter of how <laughs> you know the, the the whole narrative on them is their man marking system mm-hmm. and their ability to press teams. Um, can they maintain that for the rest of the tournament? I don't know that. Uh, I think they've been a little fortunate in their goal scoring, actually. Um, you know, Wando is not going to score two goals every 30 minutes he's on the pitch, right? Uh, he, I, I'd be su- surprised if he can maintain that. Uh, Christian Espinoza has had a wonder goal, uh, but but how often are you going to get that? I still have concerns about um, their consistency in goal scoring uh and 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 i think that they're fine defensively um you know but we we can see that like against the white caps that they did not look good in that first half against the white caps uh they they should not have needed to fight back the way that they did uh but that also shows you what a team under almeida is capable of um they show the flashes right There, there was a period of time where san jose was arguably one of the best two or three teams in MLS last year for a good stretch of time. And then the wheels fell off. The question is in this tournament, will the wheels fall off? Exactly. And my thinking is no. Um, My thinking is that if we do have a season past this tournament, which I'm not even completely sold on that notion yet. um, But if we do, that's what I'm thinking. The, The wheels kind of fall off for them. Because Almeida knows how to kind of have his guys ready for a tournament. He's shown that down in Mexico, and I think that we, we are seeing that now in Major League Soccer. I personally am okay with how they performed against Vancouver. Like the, like you said, the first half was ugly, but they shot themselves in the foot. It wasn't Vancouver being good. It was San Jose being awful and allowing Vancouver to just have wide-open shots, have these own goals, and have everything like that, right? So... I personally am okay with how they played. Drawing Seattle was nice for them. Then they go on and they completely dominate the Chicago Fire. I think San Jose, in my head at least, is maybe a dark horse, even though they won the group. <laughs> I don't know if you can maybe uh, count them as a dark horse, but I like them a lot. Um, I think, I guess in, in Almeida, I trust. But if San Jose has that lapse like they did against Vancouver, but they yeah. have it against like an LAFC, are they coming back in that game? I mean, yeah, it's 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 a very fair point. It's a very fair point. <laughs> well, may, actually, maybe maybe they would come back against LAFC because their defense is porous right now too. So <laughs> yeah, they're on three goals a game. It's fine. Um, but I want to talk about the team that, that finished second in this group, um, or I guess still technically 
cannot finish second, like if the, depending on what the Fire do against the uh, Vancouver Whitecaps. But Seattle has already punched their ticket through to the next round officially. Um, they have not looked like the Seattle Sounders, the reigning MLS champion Seattle Sounders, but they do this, right? They start off slow to every single season, and this is still technically the beginning of a brand new season. Um, the center back play has looked iffy. Um, the really the biggest bright spot for me is, I mean, Jordan Morris is, is playing out of his mind. And that's what I'm excited to watch when I sit down and watch the Seattle Sounders. Yeah, he had himself uh, a, a incredible half against Vancouver. I mean, it was it, it was the Jordan Morris show. Yes. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, same thing. They, they're a team that can win a lot of different ways. Uh, they have they have a, a lot of depth. Um, you know, we haven't really seen Xiao Paulo out there. Um, you know, I, I don't know that they have their full, uh, group together. Uh, but this is also a team that knows how to win in tournament style mm-hmm. <laughs> tournaments, you know, uh, tournament style tournaments. Yeah, you get it. Um, but they've advanced, they, they've done enough. They're going to move on. Uh, and I don't know that any team wants to face, uh, Seattle in, in a single elimination sort of format. No, I mean, I agree. Cause look. I, I, I've harped on this guy a lot. Jordan Morris, I just I love the way he plays. I really think he's excelled as a player so, so much. Like you said, against Vancouver, looked fantastic, right? I would even say in their loss to Chicago, he was the only player that was threatening offensively. And he's the one that created their, their only goal against Chicago as well. I'm looking at him. I'm looking at Ladero. Rui Diaz scored last game. and He looked good last game, but he hasn't been there the first two games of this tournament. Maybe he's finding his footing as well. I'm excited to see how this team plays. Like I just said, that center back duo is really, really worrisome to me. Um, I think that they're missing Chad Marshall still, Roman Torres, Kim Kihi. They're missing those guys. Um, Because I don't know if Ariaga, Shane O'Neill, I don't know if those guys are the answer. But I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see how many times Stefan Fry can save them with some some big-time saves in net. But let's transition over to Group C. We got Toronto FC and the New England Revolution making it out of this group. TFC, um, I think they won the group based off of uh, less yellow cards than, than the Revs. I think that's technically the, the fourth tiebreaker. Um, but Toronto FC, I mean, we have to talk about Ayo Akinola again. Yes, he didn't score in this game against the Revolution, but he, him and Chris Mueller, to me, have been the, the young American stories of this tournament. Oh yeah, I, he, there's definitely been some uh, eyebrows raised at Ayo Akinola and and what he's been able to bring to that squad. Uh, although I think there, there's a lot of strikers in MLS that would love to be playing on on the same line as uh, Alejandro Pozuelo and Pablo Piatti. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of opportunities that uh, that yes, Akinola has made for himself, but I think also he's benefited greatly uh, by the service that that's being provided to him. Yeah, I was going to say, Piatti has shown up at definitely as a DP player for, for TFC along with Alejandro Pizuelo. Um, Michael Bradley has also looked surprisingly pretty good in this tournament. Um, against New England, did worry me a little bit. He wasn't as good as he was in the previous two games, but him coming back healthy is also very, very big for Toronto. Um I guess my biggest worry for this team is defensively, where they have looked good, right? Um well, I guess they looked good in the last game. They allowed three goals each or whatever it was to uh, two goals to DC and then three goals to the impact. But once they once you sub out Omar Gonzalez, once you sub out Chris Mavinga, the, the replacements aren't really doing their, their job or they're not really living up to the expectations that, that Omar and Chris Mavinga have set. And that's really what worries me about TFC and them making a, a deep run. But look, they're still a very good team, and the team you definitely got to watch out for, at least in my head. Yeah, I mean, this is a team that was in MLS Cup last year, right? Like, once <laughs> yeah, again, they, yeah, they, they, they know how to go deep in tournaments, and they have winners. Uh, but yeah, the, the questions are on defense. They're a little bit older. They're a little bit injury-prone. Uh, and, and they've shown already in this tournament, you know, no team should be down two men and let a team back into it. Yeah. Right. And <laughs> I, I don't care that you have your backup center backs out there. Uh, that's inexcusable. Right. Yeah. Like like that shows a real lack of uh, want to and a real lack of, of care. Now, of course, DC's going for it. But, uh, you know, it, it shows that they're, they're not invincible. Um, and, and that'd be my concern is that. 
which TFC do we get? Do, do we get the team that it head is in it and doesn't make those little mistakes uh, and, and lets teams stay in it? Uh, because you're not going to, I, I don't expect for them to continue scoring. You know, Io Akinola is not going to score another five goals in two games. Uh, it could happen, but if you're banking on that, uh, good luck. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you you have to think that Io's like kind of chomping at the bit a little bit, like finally getting to prove himself with Josie mysteriously not playing. Um, but I I really I I like him. I really hope he picks the U.S. because at this point, I think we've talked about it a little bit in the Slack chat. Uh, fine, just throw him in with the striker options. Let's just see what he's got, right? But um, I kind of want to uh, turn corners here i don't know if that was the right transition but it's fine to the new england revolution finishing second in this group i think a surprising pick um i know a lot of people were hot on the montreal impact coming into this tournament just because of what we saw out of them in ccl um you know there are a lot of dc fans out there because of the talent that they have on this roster i don't think many people expected the revs to make it out of this group um especially with how with how good they have looked defensively i've really liked them right matt turner has looked fantastic in that continuing what he what he proved and what he showed last year and that's the Matt Turner train coming right on through right there uh, but also Andrew Farrell has looked sick Brandon by Henry Kessler Andrew uh yeah Alexander Butner like this defense has been locked down for the revs and this defense has I feel like been a major part on why you know they're they're making out of this group yeah, well, and they won't have them for the tournament, but Polster's on, on the way, too. Exactly. Going on past this tournament, let's just say, you know, do we do have a season after this? Everything is, is pointing at Polster is going to be playing D-mid and not on the back line. But if you need to fill him in for a game at right back, too, he can do it. <laughs> yeah, Polster, you, 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 they, they don't have Caicedo out there right now. I mean, they, they uh, and, and this is the first Revs team to have three designated players on the field. I think that's the other big difference is that they're they're goal dangerous. Um, Gustavo Bo, outstanding. Carlos Heel, uh, aside from Maxi Morales, arguably one of the best servicemen in the league. Maybe Pizuelo can be in that conversation, too. Um, you know, and, and Ladero, I guess. But he's a contributor, right? Like he, he is a, is a kind of guy that, uh, MLS defenses hasn't, they have not figured out how to bottle him up yet. Um, and it helps to have now Buxa up there too. So, you know, I was pretty high on new England going into this tournament. Um, I, I think I did have Toronto, new England and DC making it out. Uh, okay. cause I didn't really believe in Montreal yet. Um, but yeah, New, New England, uh, to me, they're playing on par with where I was expecting them. Yeah, I mean, my I guess my biggest question for them is just to make sure everyone is healthy moving forward, because that's always, you know, when you're getting running deep into tournaments, making sure you have that health. That's the that's going to be the biggest problem, I think, for them moving forward, especially in the attack. Um, let's move on to Group D, where your boys sporting Kansas City, at least your boys for right now, sporting Kansas City are looking primed. To, uh, to win the group, depending on the result between Minnesota and Colorado tonight of recording. Um, I've really liked Sporting Kansas City. I know that they've blown a win that they probably should have had. Um, I know that maybe Matt Beasler and others have looked a little slow, especially in a, in a game against Colorado where you guys are up two men. Um, but completely killing RSL for the most part. RSL did look somewhat good in this tournament um but this morning completely dominating rsl sporting kansas city i personally like them to still continue to go far maybe i'm trying to myself a little bit on them but how are you feeling uh i i there i've seen flashes uh none of the games have been comfortable wins uh you know i i think that they're leaving the door open for the other team in, in all three games right minnesota it bit them they didn't they didn't close out the game in the first half uh, and ultimately, they fell apart down a man uh, with their backup goalkeeper out there in in yep. game one. Two two stoppage time goals. That that that's not a great feeling to lose that way. Uh, then the second game, they go up a man, and uh, you know soccer gods, I guess, kind of making right for the previous game. Um, but they still also gave up a goal up a man, uh, and that that was a problem. Like they, they shouldn't have needed extra time 
to salvage a win against Colorado. Uh, but they did. They, they, got, they took care of business, but they ultimately ended up with three points out of those two games, uh, and I don't know that they really earned it. Uh, and then the game against RSL, uh, they found the back of the net. They did just enough. Uh, I think RSL did have some opportunities on goal uh, that, that the team did well to, you know, unlike the other two games, they, they, it was a bend, not break sort of situation. So uh, if Albert Rusnak had been out there, I don't know that that game ends up being 2-0. So I am, of course, a fan. I'm ecstatic that they're moving on, but it was not a very comfortable advancement for me. I mean, look, like I said, maybe I'm trying to sell myself a little bit on them, but I really do like the Sporting Kansas City team. I, I, I personally think that they'll still be good um, moving forward in this tournament. But Minnesota, like you said, they opened up the door and they got that win against SKC. Um, Hot Boy has been pretty good this tournament, and I, I'm happy to see Kevin Molino playing well. Um, I really want to see him show out tonight against Colorado as well, but unfortunately, can't talk about that right now. Game hasn't happened. But I really like Minnesota. I don't know. I think that they're doing well, especially with the lack of, I guess, confidence in the striker position, kind of rotating between Schoenfeld, um, rotating between um, Amaria and Mason Toy not really kind of being there, right? I, there's something up with him that I can't think of off the top of my head, but this Minnesota team is doing well, especially also not having Eichel Parr. That's, that's a big part of their team missing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, that that was their calling card was how strong they were, they were defensively. Um, and in attack, Schoenfeld's impressed me. I mean, maybe it was just that game against Sporting, but he definitely changed uh, how the he, he changed the tide in the game, um, and and was much more impressive than Mason Toy. Uh, there's not a lot of teams that can have three strikers like <laughs> Schoenfeld, Toy, and Amaria, uh, and and be okay with any of them out there. Yeah. So uh, you know, and that's the good thing for a tournament like this is they've got depth, um, and defensively, you know, through two games they've given up one goal right like minnesota is going to be okay here um i i still think that they are a team that could make a deep run in this uh because of those reasons i mean i completely agree with you and i and it's funny saying like you don't always have a team like minnesota that can roll out with three strikers and look good with any of them on the field for the most part um right i think toy kind of being the odd man out a little bit um but I'm sure none of them are happy being benched. Like I'm sure Schoenfeld, Amaria, and Toy all want to be that guy scoring goals, and it's kind of balancing those emotions too. So I'm going to be interested to see what happens there with Minnesota. Maybe one of them gets moved too. I don't know. There's a few teams out there that could use a use a pretty decent striker. Um, but I want to talk about maybe my surprising team of the tournament or my, my, my most surprised team of the tournament. And they kind of talked down about them a little bit, but RSL... They do have a place locked up in the next round, even though um, they will not be finishing uh, second or above in their group. They will be one of the third-place teams making it out. Um, RSL, for a team that may be lacking some talent, for a team that um, a lot of people thought got worse this offseason, they've done enough to make it out of this group. And defensively, been really, really impressed between Marcelo Silva, Donnie Toya, Justin Glad, Aaron Herrera, who's a guy I will always talk up. I love Aaron Herrera. What have you thought of RSL? Well, I, I, I think you kind of hit, hit it right there. You're, you're mentioning a whole bunch of defensive guys. You've you got guys on that side of the ball. Um, my concerns for RSL is in the attack. Um <laughs> I, I'm not real scared of guys like Demir Krylock, Sam Johnson, and Albert Rusnak. Like, they all can have their moments, but if your striker of choice is Demir Krylock, like, is that even his natural position, right? We were just talking about Minnesota and their crazy depth. This isn't a team that can burn you on the wings with uh, Savarino and Jao Plata anymore, right? Like, where are the goals coming from? Where's the chance creation coming from? And that's my concern for them. They got through three games and they had two goals scored. No, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, this morning against Sporting Kansas City, I thought Sam Johnson, you know, to be completely blunt and honest, looked god awful. I 
he was fouling. He's making awful fouls trying to, I guess, create something. I don't know what he was doing, to be completely honest. Um, Demir Krylock, yes, they rotate him at that striker position. It hasn't really worked. Um, I know they've been trying out Douglas Martinez and Giuseppe Rossi off the bench and everything like that. Douglas Martinez has been probably, to me, their most exciting striker coming off the bench or even starting a little bit just because he brings some energy and some action. But the final touch isn't there from him. So... I'm not picking RSL to make a nice deep run. I don't think they will. I think if they, you know, whoever they play in this next round, if it's anyone of decent quality, I think it's going to be, you know, an elimination game for RSL. But um, I do have to just give them credit for for making it out. I mean, that, that's something that a lot of teams you can't really say. They're they're just one of those teams where you know, okay, they finished third in the West last year. But I don't think of them as the third best team in the West. No, not even close. No, uh, and and I think that's. It's it's like what what exactly are they? They're they're I really don't think they're a top three team out on that side. But are they? They're 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 exactly what it sounds like. They're going to score some goals sometimes. They're going to be low scoring affairs. They're going to be strong defensively, uh, but they're not going to be flashy. And uh, I don't know if that gets you through a tournament like this. Yeah, uh, it does not. And I will kind of transition that into Group E, where we do have a solidified two teams making it out. It is the Columbus crew, and it is his real rival, FC Cincinnati, which is an absolute shocker. Um, I want to say congratulations to Travis and Nate um, from the UA Lion podcast because, boy, do they, they take some some trash talk from, from the side <laughs> and everything like that. So congratulations to them for, for Cincinnati picking up two wins and making it out of this group. So uh, let's start with them beating the Red Bulls, beating Atlanta United in that ugly, ugly um, 9 a.m. game. It, Cincinnati, what the, what the fuck? Uh, that, pretty much, yeah. I don't know, <laughs> man. Uh, ju- just enough, scrappy enough. Um, you know, it, it wasn't expected against Atlanta, but Atlanta was really, really bad. Uh, you know, I don't know that Cincinnati really deserved that win that they got against them. Um, but hey, they had a really good performance against Red Bulls. Was it shocking? Was it? Did I feel like they, uh, you know, played Red Bulls off the field? Not from what I saw, no. But they did enough. They got wins. Uh, Yopstam has has the guys back to back wins when they only had what what was it seven wins seven. in their existence, or, or I guess six last yeah, season, six like last year, and now they're up to to eight as a team. I mean. You know, yeah, I, I cool. I, I it, unexpected. I don't think there were a lot of people, unless you were a Cincinnati fan, that thought it could happen. Yeah. Um, Even it, then. Yeah. So <laughs> good. Good for them. Good for them. Do I, is is it going to lead to them winning this tournament? No, nah, this team's not winning the tournament. I, I would I would put money on the table. They're not going to win it. Uh, but good for them. They got through uh, past Red Bulls and Atlanta United. Wow, amazing how the league has turned around. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, good for them. I'm really happy for, for Nate and Travis in specific. Um, you know, I I think that the Cincinnati fans may may take some shit from time to time, whether, you know, they, they get a parade for winning one game or they parade themselves around for winning one game um, or, you know, just them playing out being bad, had coaching issues, um, issues within the organization. But They've made it out of their group. They finished second. Good for them. Um, I, Like you said, I don't know if they completely played the Red Bulls off the field. I know they completely played David Jensen off the field. He looked awful in that tonight for the Red Bulls. I will say that. Um, but Yuya Kubo scoring, um, Frankie Amaya, wonder goal. I mean, Cincinnati just found a way to make it out. I got to give them that credit. But let's jump to their rivals. Uh, Columbus crew who have completely looked like the most dominant team uh, of this entire tournament haven't allowed a goal yet. So they have scored seven through three games, allowed zero through three games. Giassi's artist is on a scoring tear. Lucas Zellerayan is looking unbelievable. That back line is looking sick. The depth is there. The young talent is there. I mean, to me, they look like the favorites right now for the tournament. Yeah, I, I think Columbus is meeting the hype that we had for them back in February and March, right? We, we were looking at this team and being like, hey, they brought in Darlington Nagby. Whoa, they brought in Lucas Zellerayan. 
Like, yeah. Th- th- this team is is making moves, and you look at the roster, and you're like, they're getting back uh, a, a best eleven left back in uh, Valenzuela. Harrison Offal's healthy. Like they've got Luis Luis Diaz, Jonas Mukhtar's doing it. Jossie Zardes has a first touch now. Like <laughs> the, every everything's clicking for them right now, um, and and they're they're doing it their way. Uh, they're they're dominating these games. They're imposing their style. Uh, you know, there's a lot of this uh, these games for Columbus where it's it's a practice session for them out there. They're passing the ball around at will, even when teams are pressing them. They're working their way out of those situations. They look well trained. They look organized. Uh, and and kudos to Caleb Porter for what he's done there in Columbus. Uh, and, and also credit to Tim Bezbachenko. Um, I, I think Columbus is a team on the up and up. Uh, I think they have a good energy since they were sold uh, for, uh, and, and got pre-court off the books. Um, it, they, I, I don't know if you saw the renderings for their stadium. Like, this is a team that I think the next three or four years could be a really, really exciting time for Columbus. Uh, and I think this MLS is back tournament. They're a team that has come in and they are playing where they're supposed to be. You know, we were just talking about like Red Bulls in Atlanta. Like we expect more from those teams. Uh, Columbus, Columbus is exceeding expectations. Uh, and, and that's fantastic. I think you're right. I think Columbus is trying to aim to be that master class of Eastern Conference and Major League Soccer in general. Um, I think that bringing in Caleb Porter two years ago now was an unbelievable move. He took a year off of coaching soccer and now he's back and he's kind of he he's built this roster and he's had the guys that he wants on this roster. And I mean, we've mentioned him kind of slightly, but I feel like we need to talk about Darlington Nagby in this tournament. Yeah, I mean, he's a difference maker. (laughs) MLS put out a stat today that Nagby, through three games in the group stage, his passing, he has 157 completed passes out of 160 attempts. He has not connected three passes through three games. Darlington Nagby, Atlanta United fans, I've seen them, like, crying on social media because they miss this guy. Like, he is an impact player he is the best american right now in mls he he's everything i i love darlington right now yeah a hundred percent i mean his his stats speak for themselves uh he's just clean on the ball he doesn't make mistakes so uh he's he's clean he's he he makes sure that he does the right thing to advance the ball and uh he also by having a guy that can be that metronome um He's a conductor, right? Like, like he's able to make sure that he spreads the ball the direction he needs it, when he needs it. He's not going to misplace the ball. He's not going to make mistakes. He's not going to hand anything to the opponent. Um, and, and then that spreads to everyone else on the team. Um, and I think that's the difference for Columbus right now. They are not giving anything to their opponents. They're not, make, they're, they're not giving up fouls in bad spots. They're not getting themselves into yellow card or, or red card trouble. They're, they're just doing everything the right way. Um, and and it, a, a guy like Darlington Nagby uh, do, is is the key cog or something like that. That's why we saw Atlanta be so successful when he was there. Mm. No, exactly. I think that it's the reason why Portland was so successful when they had him, then Atlanta, now Columbus. I think where he goes, success does follow. Um, and happy 30th birthday to him. I saw that on social media, I think, yesterday. Um, but let's move on to the final group that we can talk about, Group F. Uh, Portland and LAFC, they're both moving on. They've already solidified their spots um, in group and sorry, into the round of 16. Um, there is, you know, each team does have one final game to play left in this group. So some things, I guess, could change a little bit with how this group finishes out. Houston's still fighting for a uh, for a third seed spot moving on to the round of 16. Um, I don't want to spend like too much time on Houston, but I have to give them their credit that they put up a hell of a fight against LAFC. Um, and, you know, I, things maybe didn't go well for them in their second game, but they're, they're hanging around. I don't know if you have anything you want to say about Houston. Houston to me is the same that they've been for three years. Uh, <laughs> you know, like 
you, you got a lot of guys in attack. Instead of Ramel Kyoto there, they subbed him out for Darwin Quintero. Yeah. Like, what, what, what else is there, right? Like, they have their moments. They can be really good defensively. They also can very quickly have a game flip on its head against them. They're, they're going to give up goals in, in droves. Uh, when, when it rains, it really, really pours in Houston. Um, but there's going to be another game where they're going to go out there and run you off the field with four goals of their own. Uh, it, it's not pretty. It's not sustainable. Um, and, and they need to get more organized. I think that Tab Ramos can be that guy. But right now, I don't see the changes there. T- Tab Ramos needs time. Uh, I, I can't wait for Houston to move past Manotas and Albert Elise because I think they are very talented. But I think we've seen, even for all that talent, uh, w- whether it's the team, the structure, the style, whatever, those two guys in, in attack are not going to turn Houston into a contender. Um, and I think that they need to have a revolution uh, of the of the roster and of the franchise. And I think Tab Ramos is going to be that guy. We're going to see over time, I think Tab Ramos bringing a lot of young talent through. He's mm-hmm. clearly a, a developer of young talent. He has a lot of connections and relationships with players across the country. Um, and, and I'm looking forward to maybe like two years from now for Houston. But in this tournament, um, I'm, I'm not... They're playing to the level I was expecting. Yeah, to, to me, they're like RSL similar, right? That they're playing well, um, better than I guess maybe I even thought, to be completely honest. Um, I know that guys like Charlie Davies and Kalen Carr said that Houston was going to be their dark horse team, and they still technically can. But going up against the Galaxy in their final game, not that the Galaxy is that much of a challenge right now, but they will be without Albert Elise. Um, but that's a great point, man. Like, I do like I do want to see them pass the Minotas Elise stage uh, of their time of this Houston Dynamo history, right? They're great players, they score goals, they're talented, but it's time to move on past them. I would love to see Tab Ramos kind of build a team around Memo Rodriguez right now. Absolutely. I, yep. I was just about to say, yep. Um, especially, you know, with like older guys like Bonet Garcia, Minor Figueroa, probably off the books, maybe after this year or the year after that. So I really want to see that. Um, I really have hope for Houston in the future. But let's talk about the teams that that have officially made it out of the group. Um, Portland Timbers. I, w- I want to jump on them because I've been talking about him for two years now. I talked about him last week on the podcast and you and I talked about him in our Slack chat. <laughs> Eric Williamson is the dude and i want all the credit in the world for saying this two years ago that he should have been playing next to diego chara in front of diego chara somewhere in the midfield with diego chara and diego valeri because eric williamson is that perfect piece that connects everything in the midfield and makes uh portland click his vision through the lines uh has been pretty outstanding in this tournament um yeah, I, he's he's not to that Darlington Nagby level, right? Like, not but, yet. But, but, not yet. but can he get there? Yeah, I I, I think we see uh, the flashes of that. You know, he he's able to uh, protect the ball, keep the ball, spread it, and and he's probably got a little bit better forward vision. I'd say uh, at least he's shown it in the p- past few games. There's a lot to like there, uh, and it's something that uh, I think over time Portland is going to. Uh, you know, it, it's one of those ones where now you have a guy that can spread the ball, not only on the counter, right? Like, like I, you can see Williamson in the buildup play uh, can can make that pass mm-hmm. that springs one of those guys. Uh, and with the speed that they have on on the wings and and the target that they're going to have with Nizgoda and Abobasi, yeah, it's pretty exciting. Uh, what what Portland has at their disposal. I, I also just love his versatility, and I mean, I know Portland, other players have played well outside of Eric Williamson, but this is my podcast, so I can talk about whatever the hell I want. Eric Williamson, even when, like, a guy like Jorge Villafania gets up the field, right, like, and he's getting upfield into the attack, you see Williamson smart enough to, like, kind of stay back a little bit and play, like, a temporary left-back role because of a team trying to hit him on the counter, especially a team like LAFC. And he did that countless times. I'm sorry, again, a team like the Galaxy, 
um, who are trying to play on the gal- uh, counter. And he did that plenty of times there. And then you see him transition to a role like he played against Houston, where he's making these line-breaking passes. He's hitting Valeri, Blanco, Chara, Bobasi, all these guys. Like he's hitting them with these key passes and setting things up. So Bobasi's look great. Blanco's look great. You know, Steve Clark is keeping them in games, too, because he just makes wonder save after wonder save. But Eric Williamson's my dude to, to look at for the Portland Timbers. Um I really think that if we want to talk about people to look at, though, it, it's Diego Rossi and uh, on LAFC, though, because what he did last game in, in the the bubble version of El Tráfico is just disgustingly good. Yeah, I mean, for Diego Rossi, the big thing is uh, there's not a lot of guys in this league that are the number two, especially to a guy like Carlos Vela. Yeah, that he's stepping up to the plate. You know, like. Like, like Vela's not been out there, and this is still a really good LAFC team. And everybody knew Rossi's the next guy in line. Like, he's he's going to be the guy that has to fill those shoes, and he's done it, right? Like, like we look at Atlanta, and we say, okay, Joseph Martinez isn't out there. Pitti Martinez and Ezekiel Barco have to be those guys. They have to step up and, and be those guys. LA Galaxy, Chicharito, Pavone. Those those guys have to be present and have to lead the team. And you look at those big market teams, those those teams that are expected to win in this league. And right now, LAFC is the one that is stepping up and has a leader on that team uh, that, that's showing out in the tournament. And uh, I think it's huge for Rossi. I think it's huge for LAFC. Uh, and and it, we, we had a question on our podcast of like, who's a deep three DPs that you want to build your team around or, or that if you had your choice, you could get your hands on. Diego Rossi's got to be on that list uh, because not only is he so valuable to what makes LAFC tick, but he's also going to be that guy that is the right age. They're going to get a return on investment on him. He's, he's turning himself into a $20, 25000000 million transfer kind of guy. Um, and, and it's showing up in tournaments like this that are going to really elevate his profile. Exactly. And I'm, uh, this tournament's also been kind of the arrival of Brian Rodriguez, too. Um, a guy who I guess was given so much hype when LAFC first signed them and it took him forever to kind of get things going. And he did have some ugly performances last year, right? But scored his first goal um, for LAFC finally against the Houston Dynamo. Then he comes out in this thrashing of the Galaxy with two assists. Um, you know, I guess when it's usually Vela's Batman and Rossi's Robin, Rossi's taking over that Batman role. And uh, I guess Rodriguez is trying to be his Robin. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. Well, well, but 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 then what does that make uh, uh, Brother Ray Phillips? Is he is he Superman? Like what? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't even know what Brother Ray Phillips is, man. Like when you have him as your backup striker option, or even if you want to start him and whatever you want to do, right? When he's just clearly not the player he was a few years ago at the Red Bulls, right? But when he's scoring goals for you and he's being productive in a, sh- in a shortened amount of minutes, that attack is still nasty uh, with or without Vela, right? You still have Blessing and Mark Anthony K and Atta West the connecting things and, and contributing to the attack in their own right. And LAFC is still just dominant. Um, I know before I said the crew are probably um, the team that I'm looking at as being the favorites for the tournament. I still believe that, but LAFC, I think, are right there as, as, as a 1B. You know, oh yeah, you, you you can't count LAFC out, um, but but they've got to prove it, right? Like, yes, <laughs> we, we we know that they're arguably the best team in the league, right? Like, we we saw what they did last year, uh, but that still didn't make them win MLS Cup. Uh, so can can they do this? Can they finish it out? I'm concerned. Like, they've given up five goals. Yes, uh, and that's that's a lot. Uh, in and and how it's happened, they've only played two games, right? Like, uh, they they need to tighten that up big time if, if they try to just do shootouts that that's how you get bit that's that's how you lose a game you're you're gonna have one of those four threes or or in a knockout it's okay you you played well game ends three three it goes to pks and you're unfortunate in pks uh-huh. game over yeah i mean look, look like you said look at lafc in the playoffs last year look at lafc against portland in the u.s open cup last year if you try to do your best to, to just put all in the attack, eventually you're going to have a game where you're going to struggle scoring goals. And defensively, you need to be stout and you need to be there. And if you're not, 
because the defense hasn't looked great for LAFC right now through two games, then, like you said, you're going to get bit and all that success is out the window for the most part. Yeah, it takes one game where you get bottled up and and make a mistake, uh, and that's all she wrote. Well, Vaughn, we went through all the groups. We went through all the, all the, uh, the guys moving on, at least for right now, in all the groups. I want to thank you. I want to thank you for coming on last minute and talking some MLS is back with me. Um, for everyone listening, where can they listen to you? Where can they find out more about you and Zach and what you guys are doing? Yeah, nine, at 9607 MLS Pod on Twitter. Um, we're on all the podcasting platforms. Uh, and you can find me at VI Pullman also on Twitter. Uh, Zach is at Zach Dick. Uh, and yeah, we please follow us. Uh, follow all the MLS Aces uh podcast because they're fantastic group of guys fantastic network uh and and credit to you tom for uh putting all of it together because i I think it's really grown into something pretty special i'm doing my best man sometimes it's it's a lot but i'm doing my best (laughs) and definitely go follow vaughn um i'm at a point wherever i want to like text or message vaughn i call him vi pullman in my head and then i have to remember his name's actually vaughn so definitely Definitely go and follow one on Twitter and the 96.7 MLS pod. Vaughn, thank you for coming.